Apparently, it's been a good service already. We could just call it a day. I love those testimonies. Um, I have been in uh, Minnesota uh, for 17 days in February. Um, I, uh, because of a lot of things happening last year, I wasn't able to make it to Minnesota. I was in there Christmas of 2018, and um, Susan and I were kind of just talking about looking at our schedule, and there wasn't just a small window of, to be able to go up to Minnesota, and so I did. I'm, I'm from Minnesota. All my brothers and sisters live there. My mom uh, lived there, and uh, there was a small window to go, and so we just worked it out just on a whim. And I was able to go ice fishing with my, my two brothers and spend time with each of my family members. And, and then um, I was leaving on Tuesday. And that Sunday, I was able to see my mom. And uh, I come in there, and, and she's kind of just sitting in the chair. She hasn't eaten much that day. And she just immediately just starts talking to me. And she says, I'm just really confused here. Um, God's not talking to me about my life, whether I'm going to come or you know, live or die. I'm very frustrated about it. And then she asked me, she says, uh, uh, Matt, have you heard anything from God? And, you know, I said, Mom, I'm not hearing anything. I don't have anything. Because several years earlier, I, uh, she was in the hospital, and I was up there. And I walk into the, ho- the hospital room, and the first thing she says to me, Matt, I want you to release me. Now, how would you like to have that kind of prayer? I mean, I just immediately start crying. And I said, Mom, I'm not going to hold you here. I know how good heaven is. I'm not going to hold you back from that. You have my promise. I'm not going to keep you here. And then, uh, so we, we had this visit and, you know, with, with my mom and just talk about a lot of things. Her memory is sharp. My, bro- my brother Mike was with, with me. And we're talking about things like 30 years ago. And we, Mike and I didn't remember. And my mom knew the answer. Just her mind was just really sharp. And then, uh, and so uh, I left her that day, and then, I mean, I prayed with her, and I left her that day, and then the next day, um, I'm having lunch with a friend um, in downtown St. Paul, and I get a call that my mom has just been taken to the hospital. And then, uh, so I cut my lunch short, and I go over there, and I'm with her from about 2 to 10, and, but I know when I walk into the hospital room, just a dramatic difference in how she's doing. Um, You know, I know that there's, you know, something's going on here. So it comes to be about 10 o'clock that night, and I am, um, you know, I'm, I'm saying goodbye to her. I just, I, I'm not, I'm going to stay strong here. Uh, I'm saying goodbye, you know, just saying goodbye to her, tell her I love her, how amazing she is, what a wonderful mom. You know, just really, you know, those things you say to her, to your mom, hopefully. And, uh, and then she looks at me and she says, Matt, can you stay? Not meaning like stay the night, because I've done that before, but can you stay in Minnesota? I said, Mom, I can't. i got to be back to do a a memorial service. And I got to be back, and then she just looks at me and smiles and says, okay. And so that's what I did. And then then during the week, she was in the hospital and just kind of went down, down, down. And then the following Monday, she went to heaven. And I was flying back to get back, and she went that morning. And I got there that, 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 that afternoon. And I'm glad I got back, though, just to be with family. And, and uh, I was at peace with her, been grieving her going on for, for years. Um, in fact, that Sunday that I was with her at the, the nursing home, Maddie Sue had written this card to my mom. And I had it, and my mom uh, said, you know, Matt, read it to me. 
And Maddie Sue is this amazing writer, and she has this, you know, it's just not just a, like, I'm just sometimes just putting some thoughts down, you know, like chicken scratches. And Maddie Sue writes this really thoughtful card, really a lot like my mom in so many ways. And I get halfway through, and I just start crying. And then my mom goes, Matt, keep on reading. Finish it. (laughs) And so I tried it again, and I couldn't. I had to leave the room and just, you know, then my brother Mike finished it. But uh, we, you know, we were on uh, good terms, and I know where she is. And uh, I was able to, do, to share the eulogy at her uh, uh, funeral mass, three minutes. You know how hard it is for a preacher to speak for three minutes? <laughs> but I, but I, uh, uh, it was an amazing. My sister Shelly went first, and she kind of talked about the natural uh, parts about my mom. And then I shared the spiritual side. And just the impact. And this is not my message, but I'm just going to go ahead and share the story. One of the stories that I shared is um, my mom, she was an avid reader, and she read a book by Old Roberts. This is back in the early 80s called A Daily Guide to Miracles. And that book is like a seven-week devotional. And you read, you know, it's got something every day, and you read it through, and then you read it through again, you, can, you know. And uh, so she read that book. Now, she's Catholic. I mean, the priests wouldn't be like her, you know, a lot of folks wouldn't like her reading that book, but she, you know, just read a lot of different books. So she liked the book and gave it to my brother Pat. And my Pat, and brother Pat is a very passionate person. And if he finds something he likes, he got boxes of that book and to pass it out. And then, and so he gave me a copy. And, you know, I'm a good Catholic boy and Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, and I'm uh you know, up in uh, St. Cloud State, involved in, you know, uh, the, the Newman Center, Catholic Church up there. And, but he gave me that book, and I, I read it through, and it really touched my life. And in that book, it talked about uh, Oral Roberts University. And it just planted a seed in my heart about going to Oral Roberts University. And sure enough, um, when I went to San Diego uh, with Campus Crusade for Christ, I went down through Oral Roberts we had to go down to Texas to pick up a car and then drive to San Diego. And I, I went down to uh, Oral Roberts University. That's when I met Roy Trankenshu. Another story, which we don't have time for, or, or do we? Um, who ended up being my roommate at ORU. And so, uh, and so I went there, uh, that was uh, summer of 83, and I went to ORU in the uh, fall of 84. And we actually went to school there. And it's amazing because I met my wife there. Uh, two of my kids went to, to ORU. And then, try to figure this out, three of my kids married folks from ORU. So seven out of ten of us are uh, graduates of Oral Roberts University. And then not only that, just not going to that school, it's like, you know, big deal. But it's the mission and the vision that was imparted to us there about going into every man's world. And about the about the nations, and so, so thank you, mom. By one book, you know, you talked about seeds. You don't realize what seeds going to produce, and sometimes you don't even realize that you're even planting a seed. Oh, you're just giving out a book or a pamphlet, or you're just praying for somebody, and uh, you don't realize the impact it'll have on others. And only eternity, when we get to heaven, there's going to a lot of people lined up when you walk into heaven. Uh, lined up to shake, give you a hug, really. 
hug and a kiss and thank you for the seeds that you've sown. Another thing happened while I was there, uh, the day of the, uh, um, the, the, the funeral mass, they call it funeral mass. Um, afterwards, they had a um, fellowship time and there was this, the, the funeral director, which did a fabulous job, you know, was from um, Nativity Catholic Church up there. And uh, I really appreciate those people that do those kind of things. And so, but after it was during the luncheon, I kind of caught her in the, in the hallway and I was just thanking her for the great job that she did. And then, um, and, but while we were having the meeting to plan the funeral mass, she shared some things about her life that she was going through, some, some things with struggles with her family. And so I just, you know, I thanked her, but then I just said, how are you doing? And, um, and well, no, first of all, she said, boy, you know, and she wasn't saying you, whatever, Protestants or whatever, but said, you guys really know the scripture. Because I shared a couple of scriptures. She says, you guys really know the scripture. We're, we're trying to, to be that way. We're, we're coming along, but we're a little bit behind talking about the Catholic church. And then I was uh, able to uh, uh, talk to her for a minute and then I, I was able to minister to her grabbed her by hands and, and prayed for her. She just teared up just about her life and things that were going on. So God did some amazing things. So I just want to thank you for your prayers, for your love and support while I was up there. I, it was a tangible feeling. You, Todd, you know what I'm talking about. It's a tangible presence of God in dealing with things. I'm not saying I wasn't emotional. I didn't cry. I mean, that, that I didn't cry. I did. Um, but there was just God's presence was upon me. And just dealing with a whole lot of things that were happening and uh, uh, was able to uh, minister to a lot of people. So I just want to thank you uh, for your prayers. Okay, got that out of the way. You have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 6. We really need each other much more than you know. You don't realize the importance of having a church family, having brothers and sisters in Christ. Matthew 6, verse 31. Therefore, do not worry and be anxious, saying, What are you going to have to eat? Or what are we going to have to drink? Or what are we going to have to wear? For the Gentiles, the heathen, wish for and crave and diligently seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows well that you need them all. But seek, aim at, strive after, first of all, his kingdom. Everybody say, his kingdom. But it's singing a lot about the kingdom today. First of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Then all these things taken together will be given to you besides. Do not worry or, or be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of its own. Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. There's two kingdoms operating in the earth today. There's God's kingdom and then there's a worldly kingdom. The kingdom of God supersedes the kingdom of this world. And the more awareness of God's kingdom and his principles for living, the better you're going to be. And the more you want to help others find the kingdom. You know, um, I kind of look at the church, and and I don't want to sound negative. I'm kind of looking at the church right now in the United States this way. We're on the ocean in a luxury yacht. All the amenities, uh, the, the waiters, the, uh, the food, the, um, you know, we've got the jet skis, we've got the, 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 the boat, we have the, you know, all the different amenities, best food, drinks of any, any kind. 
And there we are, we're in the yacht, and we're just kind of celebrating the good life. And then out there in the water, we hear this uh, someone just kind of yelling out, Help, help, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. And then we, you know, kind of go over to the side and say, Oh, look, there's someone out there, they're, they're drowning. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for them that someone will come along and rescue them. And then let's pray that the next ship that comes by will save them. You guys get that? Can you catch that, what I'm saying? That's really what's happening a lot in the church. We really don't give a flip about lost people. I'm talking about the force of joy today. Um, well, I don't, I don't feel comfortable sharing my faith. I'm not gifted in an evangelism. Well, I'm telling you, if you see a lost person drowning in the ocean, I don't care. Do whatever you can do. Even if you're not good at it, do try to rescue them. And, you know, the thing about it, once you save that first person from drowning, you're going to get better at it. You can be trained, like the Wednesday night train. You can be trained in these things. But the excuse is, of, of, oh, I'm not going to share my faith. That's a cop-out. That's not Bible. That, that excuse, well, I'm not good at evangelism. You're deceived. You're being lied to by the devil. That's not God. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And when we see someone right in front of us that we can do, do something about it, it's our obligation as a believer to reach out, even if we don't do it right, to try and save them. And in this church, this is what we're about. This is what we're, we're, we're empowering people to give life. We're trying to help you rescue others. And, you know, and some of us are better at others. We've had a lot more experience. But if you don't have experience, you stick with us, we'll help you. But you've got to want it. But I just hope you're not the kind of person just sitting in that yacht, enjoying the benefits of Christianity, and don't care about the, the people in our world. They're hurting, they're dying, they're going to hell. I met those people. Well, it was up there. Some of them are even in church, lost in religion. I just hope that that's not the people here. And, and, and I hope that you're not, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. But I hope there's a, a little bit of conviction because that's not who we are. Amen? So seeking first the kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom. Um... And there's a way to live in the, in the kingdom. Romans 14, 17 talks about how we're to live in the kingdom. Romans 14, 17. After all, the kingdom of God is not a matter of getting the food and drink one likes. A lot of time spent on that. That's the same back in Matthew 6. What we wear, what we drink, what we eat. But instead, it is righteousness, that state which makes a person acceptable to God, and heart, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, joy. These are things that we're to live in in the kingdom of God. Righteousness is, is, is that right standing with Him. That, and, and again, that's given to us. And then peace, to, lead, to live in peace. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you have uh, tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome them. There's a peace that we can live in. And despite the chaos... We can walk in peace. We can be Jesus 
uh, in the back of the boat, asleep. Not that we don't care, but we're just, we're just at peace. And you really, if you want to help people, you've got to be at peace. If you're all stressed out and you're all worried and all anxious, it's going to be tough, tough to help anybody, let alone yourself. But he also says joy in the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk about joy today. Been thinking a lot about that just lately and obviously the things I'm going through. But thinking about joy. Joy is vital to living a long life. Joy is vital to living a quality life. Joy helps us come through tests and trials without being wounded or, or hindered or hampered. And so having and walking in joy is very important. What is joy? Joy is cheerfulness. It's calm delight. I like that one. Calm delight. It's gladness. At its core, joy means to rejoice. It means to rejoice in God's goodness and who, who God is. The uh, joy in the, the Greek is the word uh, kara. It comes from the word charis, and charis is grace. And so joy is a grace from God. You can't earn it. You don't do good, good deeds to get it. It's a grace. It's a gift from God. Now, what's the difference between joy and happiness? Do you know the difference? What's the difference between joy and happiness? Happiness is based on circumstances. It's based on momentary pleasures or something that causes your spirits to rise. But the problem with happiness, this is the world's happiness, the problem with that, it goes as quickly as as it comes. And it's temporary. You know, one one, uh, uh, seed of bad news, and there goes your happiness. But joy is unaffected by outward circumstances. It is a supernatural byproduct of the Holy Spirit. And it is especially needed when things aren't going well. I wrote this down. People are looking out here for happiness that is fleeting and missing out on the joy that abides in us continually. Did you catch that? So many people looking for happiness. They're never going to find it. It's, it's just, just almost, got it, it's, like, it's a mirage. It's the, it's the world's ways. The dream home, it's a mirage. The dream car is a mirage. Having this, having that, doesn't satisfy. You get something, you want more. You have this position, you want a higher position. Happiness is... is So people are looking out here for happiness that is fleeting and missing out on the joy that abides with us continually. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 6 talks about um, affliction and trials. And and Susie mentioned that from from John 16 that uh, Jesus said, in this world you have tribulation. Who likes that scripture? In this world you will have tribulation. He doesn't promise us that we're not going to have a, a, a tribulation. But First Thessalonians 1, verse 6 says, And you set yourselves to become imitators of us and through us of the Lord himself. 
For you welcome our message in spite of much persecution. Uh, New King James says affliction. You welcome our message in spite of much persecution with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. So that you thus became a pattern to all the believers, those who adhere to, trust in, and rely on Christ Jesus and Macedonia and Achaia and most of Greece. This word persecution, again, the word affliction, it means to crush. It means to crush. And the, uh, one of the examples that they use is a, a form of torture the Romans used to do, where they would tie someone up, they would lay them on the ground, and they'd take a huge boulder and put it down on their chest until it crushed them to death. But they would do it slowly. Maximum pain. Max, you know, maximum punishment. And so affliction, you know, you ever had a pain? I've not had one, but I've, I've talked to people that have a panic attack. You ever had that? Ever been just so worried? You just, you can't sleep. You just like a heart attack. Your chest is crushing. That's what the enemy tries to do. Put so much pressure on you. It, it, to crush you. And when you're, when you're down and you've got a boulder on you, how, how are you going to do anything for anybody else? How can you help anybody else when you've got a boulder that's, that's, that's holding you down? And see, that's not where God wants you to live. That's not God's plan. He was talking about this church in Thessalonica. They were under severe persecution. And Paul is putting them up as a model and saying, your model of joy is an example to all of us. They had joy in the midst, the midst of the affliction, in the midst of the persecu- persecution. And that's where the Lord wants us to live. He has that for us. But again, it's a, it's a grace. We've got to tap into it. You tap into it by faith. Sometimes you've got to sing when you don't feel like singing. Sometimes you've got to pray when you, don't, you want someone else to pray for you. You got to open your Bible and look at the Word when it doesn't. You're not seeing anything. You do things by faith, and you may you may enter without joy, but you keep on pressing in. Joy will rise up. It'll rise up, and it's really the place for you to live. You're not going to like this scripture in James one, verse two. Some of you already know what I'm about to read here. James 1, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Woo! Brother Hagin used to say that expressions of joy were singing, dancing, and laughter. great joy. Consider an opportunity. You have an opportunity for great joy. And, and it says in the New King James, count it all joy, meaning the higher the count of tribulation means the more joy is coming to your house. Now someone's got to be, should be cheering about that. One, two, three, four. I'm counting now. 
One, two, three, four, five trials. Well, you're going to get five times the joy. For you know, verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Meaning the ability for you to walk in joy is also a sign of maturity in the faith. As we've been at this for a while, we should be experiencing more joy and more continual joy than less The greater the trial, the more joy will be manifested. You tap into that joy, cheerfulness, gladness, calm delight, the ability to rejoice. Trials cause us to be weary. That's what the enemy's trying to do. Trials cause us to, 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 to worry, to be weary. And then what we do is then we try to get in our own strength. And I'm not saying when you're going through a trial, there's not natural things to do. There are natural things. But what the enemy is trying to do is to get you to try to manhandle it or try to handle it on your own and to deal with the enemy in natural means. And he's going to whoop whoop you every time. When you're fighting him in his turf with his uh, arsenal, you're not going to win. You need spiritual power. You need joy, a position of joy, uh, a, a position of peace. And when you're weary, that's where you make mistakes. That's where we let the enemy in. That's where we do and say things we regret. That's where we begin to doubt God. Well, is he really real? Is he going to help this time? Is he going to come through this time? Well, what does the word say? What does the word say? You can't let those doubts dictate how you live. You've got to go to the word and put it in and deal with unbelief. What does God say? Because what God says settles the issue. Because he always causes us to triumph. Always, always, always. I'm, that's not Matt Judd saying that. That's God. First Corinthians 15. He gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. And I know it looks rough. And I know you're going through a hard time. And I, and I know you may think you're going down. But you stick with Jesus. You're going to come through this. You're going to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. And come through on the other side victorious. You're going to go into the fiery furnace and come out not smelling like smoke and not burned. The devil is a liar. He's trying to get his lies in there. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm doing my best and, and, and the Holy Spirit will help. And you can have joy while you're crying. You can have joy while you're grieving. You can have joy while you're hurting. You can have joy while you're watching others hurt. 
And I'm not saying about being insensitive and, 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 you know, Carol tells me her problem and I just start laughing at her. Unless the Holy Spirit tells me to do that. I'm not going to do that. That's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about being something, being fake. Oh, you know, how are you doing? Good. I'm not talking about being fake. But there's a real joy. And our master, he, he lived it out. He went to the cross with joy. And it says in Isaiah that it pleased God to bruise his son. How, how in the world? Because he knew what was going to happen on the other side. And you've got to know, you've got to be convinced what's going to happen on the other side. God's got victory. But joy is the, the place, the position we're to be going through the trial. He's got joy. The key to joy is fellowship with God. Psalm 16, verse 1. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You're ever lacking joy, go into God's presence. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Galatians 5 talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within us accomplishes. This is what the Holy Spirit does in us. His presence within us accomplishes is love, joy. Isn't it interesting? Love, we all know about the importance of love. Who would have put joy second? This is important. Love, joy, gladness, peace, patience goes on to, to say. But I like that. In the Amplified it says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within, a, within us accomplishes. Don't be afraid of the presence of God. You don't have to be in church during some kind of spiritual moment to be in the presence of God. You can be in the presence of God when you're driving, when you're, you're at home getting ready, at the hospital, in prison, at work. You definitely need to be in his presence at work. With your family that's not getting along. In his presence. And it says in, in, in Hebrews, go boldly to the throne of grace. Go boldly to the throne of, of joy. Don't run away, run too. It's his will, it's his plan. In his presence is fullness of joy. Amen. Isn't it natural? Frank and I, we hang out all the time. We're going to rub off on each other, good or bad. But we'll rub off on each other. But how much more will we spend time with Jesus? How much more is that going to rub off all that he is in his joy? How do you think he got to the cross? How do you go through the cross? How do you do that? 
How do you turn your back for someone to whip you? How do you do that? Putting uh, thorns on your head, beating you. Corey, are you going to let someone punch you in the face? How do you let, when you have the power to send legions of angels, how do you let someone just smack you in the face and hit you again and again? It's the power of God, it's joy. Because he knew what was happening on the side. He knew what he was doing. He knew why he was doing it. He could take the punches. Got to wrap it up here. There's a whole series in, in John about joy in John 13 through 17. I'll just read you one of the verses. John 15 especially is fantastic. John 15 verse 10. If you keep my commandments, if you continue to obey my instructions, you will abide in my love and live on in it, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and live on in his love. I have told you these things that my joy, Jesus' joy, from God, God's joy, I have told you these things that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy and gladness may be of full measure and complete and overflowing Full measure, complete, overflowing. And then, then in Nehemiah, because when, and I'm, and I'm, I'm believing when you walk in this, because I'm believing everybody here is going to walk in the joy of the Lord. But listen now. Nehemiah 8.10. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's going to be a strength. It's going to be a strength for you to get up. It's going to be a strength for you to go face your students. When you don't want to. It's going to be a strength to go to that family reunion when you're ready to just stay home. It'll be a strength for you to come to church when you feel like just laying in bed. It'll be a strength for you to stay when you feel like running. It's an empowerment from God. It's from the Holy Spirit. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's a power. It's a force. It's an energy it will help you through any trial and any test. As I close here, I just want to read this in um, Romans 15 because at least three times there's more that the, the, the scripture writer talks about praying for each other to have joy. And, and, I, and I want to, to read this one in Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him, that you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand, everybody.